Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild card! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Wednesday, May 20th, and I'm your host, Emily Flippin. For this Wild Card Wednesday, we are once again joined by the timid and soft-spoken Bill Mann. Bill, thank you for joining us again. Are my levels okay? Your your levels are great, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. When we first started doing Motley Fool Live, uh, I was having audio problems, and people kept saying, Bill, you're too quiet. I was like, I have never, ever in my entire life been accused of being too quiet. Yeah, I, I love yeah. I love writing that joke because as we we had just started filming this right after we filmed filmed last month Wildcard Wednesday deep dive into international investing with you, Bill, um, and your your first response to me right after was was that was that okay? Did I talk too much? Did I? It's always great with you, Bill, because you you are never afraid to take a question and roll with it, even if it means uh, getting into a long conversation about salmon. It's great. <laughs> It was a great conversation. Well, we, we kind of left uh, the listeners last month on a cliffhanger there, teased them a little bit with uh, luck and coffee and fraud that might exist in the international space. So I love to take the next you know, 10, 20 minutes or so and talk about the financial fraud that we've seen over the past few months, in particular, how it's affected international companies. Um, Obviously, Luck and Coffee is the easiest one to talk about, and, and they really dropped the ball, as you alluded to in our previous call, when they admitted that some of the claims um, in its short seller report were actually accurate, that they had been, um, in a sense, defrauding investors. So how do you feel about that? How do you, how do you make sense of, of, of this news? Well, I feel sad. You know, so when, when when we do our process here at The Motley Fool, and that is actually, it was, we actually sold the instant this news came out as quickly as we could in Luck and Coffee. Essentially, what had happened was that a short seller uh, named uh, Carson Block, who works at um, uh, Muddy Waters, uh, came out with a an, an unattributed report that said that um, that there were revenues that were being fabricated at Luck & Coffee. Luck & Coffee has thousands of coffee shops throughout China, and it is a legitimate, real business. I have had Luck & Coffee before. Um, It's a real place, but someone did a a tremendous amount of research and found that the revenues that the company was claiming couldn't possibly be what the company said. And the company came out and said, no, that's not correct, and here's why. And then on April 2nd, they disclosed in a 6K, which is a filing that... um, Foreign companies used to the New York to the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission saying yes, actually our chief operating officer uh, and some other now fired employees of the company uh, were fabricating revenues of you know a billion or so uh, RMB Chinese currency, so about three hundred and ten million dollars worth over two quarters, over three quarters uh, at Luck and Coffee, which it was close to seventy percent of their revenues. So this was this was awful. Uh, the stock immediately dropped eighty some percent, uh, and a lot of people immediately said, "I remember 
the uh, what happened with Chinese companies in the you know in the last decade. They were all ripoffs. Here we are again, and I'm done with Chinese companies. I'm 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 going to be done. And I'm assuming that's not the mindset that you've taken as a result of this. No, it's it's not. In fact, in some ways, I'm heartened a little bit by the fact that uh, luck and coffee, I mean, I'm not heartened. That is a very, very, very expensive <laughs> term for how I feel about this. But the fact that they actually came out with a filing to the SEC uh, is different. It's better than what happened uh, over the last decade. In 2006, 2007, Hundreds of small cap Chinese companies came public in the U.S. through a process called a reverse merger into a shell, which would mean they would find some company that had no revenues, no operations, but had a ticker symbol, and they would merge with it. And you know, Sisk Boom Ba, they are a publicly traded company because when you merge with a publicly traded company, you can become a publicly traded company. And that prevented them from having to go through a disclosure process before they held an IPO. They didn't have an IPO. They just, you know, bought into a shell. So when these companies were found to not be what they said they were, this was in 2006 and 2007, the Chinese government limited foreign auditor access to these companies, limited foreign access to their version of the SEC, their Chinese filings, which were completely off. It was a form, and I say this, I, I say this with some caution, it was state-sponsored theft. In this case, Luck and Coffee came out, and they have no sponsorship from the Chinese government, and they came out and said, yes, we have a problem, and it's a huge one, and this is what we're doing, and we're going to try and make it better. And it's simply a different, it's a different environment. It doesn't, it doesn't excuse the fraud, but it does give me some hope that things are, that it's being taken seriously, that this is not yet another, like, you know, we're just going to rip the faces off of the, you know, the uh, naive American investors that we'd seen in the past. Of course. And you alluded to the short seller report that was released on Luckin before uh, all of this information came to light and was announced by the company. Uh, and one of the things you, you kind of understated the research that they did. Uh, Part of their research, I mean, calling it research, it's is true. Broad, calling it research is a broad word, but essentially one of the things that they had done in this report or claimed to have done in this report included sitting in on tens of hundreds of stores and quite literally counting the number of people and the number of drinks that were ordered and then essentially using that as a sample size to calculate what they projected to be a fair number of, of sales and having that number be dramatically off than what the number the company was reporting. So I guess the question I have for you is, short of deciding that you're going to fly to China and sit and count hundreds of coffees being sold in stores, is there really any way that this fraud or any fraud out of foreign companies can be spotted and prevented? No, and it can't be it. It can't be spotted in U.S. companies either. It does. You don't have to go back a long way to find to find some unbelievable frauds in the United States, and some of which I would point to are happening now. You know, publicly traded companies where the insiders are simply just 
draining the company of money. You see it a lot in the oil patch. It's really, really hard to do because no company ever has has said, hey, by the way, you might want to take a look at those disclosures on page 34 because there there be dragons. Frauds mm-hmm. are meant to fool you, right? So how did how did how did uh, you know? I mean, you're you're talking about the process that they used was 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 really all encompassing, encompassing. So I think the question, is, you know, for us may be twofold. The first of which is, why didn't we react to it? And the second is, why would you invest in in an environment in which this is possible? So the first, uh, why didn't we react to it is. Short reports come out on companies all the time, and I say this without any, you know, w- without being pejorative at, 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 in any way. But every single company, publicly traded or private, has some material weakness in its accounting. The language of accounting is, in fact, one that does not allow for precision. So, like for example, in the United States. The least occur, often occurring last number in an earnings report is the number nine, because companies have all figured out how to go to the cookie jar to get themselves up to that next integer, to the next, you know, so instead of 89 cents, it's 90 cents. Instead of 99 cents, it's a dollar. Uh, it That shouldn't happen. I mean, that is, you know, it should be a normally dis- distributed thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, so for a company like Luckin, you have to know ultimately that every company has something going wrong with it. We didn't react to this because uh, we don't tend to react to short reports because there was another company that was very similar to this probably six years ago, seven years ago. Uh, the same short seller put out a, uh, put out a report on a company called New Oriental Education. The ticker is EDU. It's a Chinese education company, trades here in the United States, saying essentially the same thing. And it turned out that even if they were right about the actual deficits in their accounting, it didn't turn out to be meaningful. And that company was trading at 12 then, and it's been over $150 now. So, yes, it, it, there, there are things that are out there. We are very mindful of the fact that in, in, in many more situations, the deficits aren't meaningful. I love the fact that you brought up new oriental education because I was also going to bring up EDU if you didn't. I think that is a great example of the fact that you you don't want to be throwing out the baby with the bathwater, especially when you're choosing to invest in companies like those in China. Uh, I, I've been a I lived in China for four years. I've been a big proponent of investing in China. And I think one of the things that you and I and a lot of investors acknowledge is that you are never going to be able to, A, remove the Chinese government from Chinese investments, but B, remove the risk of fraud from any of the companies that you invest in. And if you choose to sit out on all the opportunities that are out there out of fear of of buying into a company that could have defrauded investors the same way that luck and coffee kind of committed fraud. Um, then I think you miss out on great opportunities. Definitely, their ma- de- definitely parts of their management team did, and I think the, I think Luckin is at at least guilty of incredible material weaknesses in their processes to not notice that sixty percent of their revenues didn't exist. Well, I don't want to I don't want to harp on Luckin too much because Luckin is yeah. it's very topical. It's the most recent example that that we have, but the issue of financial fraud obviously existed before Luckin. It will continue to exist after Luckin. Um, but when you think about financial fraud when choosing to invest in any company, what are red flags that you tend to look for? 
So one of the so one of the easiest red flags that I find is actually going through and reading. The first thing I read whenever I I look at an annual report is there is something that's an auditor's opinion letter. And sometimes, usually it'll say, we've looked at everything they gave us and it looks clean in all respects. If there is any mention of a material weakness at a company, I am done because auditors like us are, you know, can only audit the information that is given to them. So if they're finding material weaknesses, you just have to grab hold of the cockroach theory and figure that they are, you know, that, that, uh, that there's a lot more. So that's one. There are other things that you can do, and it's hard in an environment in which interest rates are near zero, but there are certain hints. So if a company has a massive cash balance, and they manage to get almost no interest from that cash, you have to ask yourself, is that cash real? Right? Does it really actually exist? Because every company doesn't, you know, they don't sit on they don't sit on cash in a you know in a in a passbook account. They use that cash and lend it out into the repo market, things like that. So there are certain things that you look for that don't quite match up. And the other thing that I do is with companies, I'll read the annual letter from from the CEO, from the you know, from the chairman, the chairperson, whoever it happens to be, and on a year by year basis, if they are pointing to different things that were great, I just assume that they are not telling us things that have ceased to be great. So like like anyone else, we are not necessarily equipped to to invest, you know, to find frauds. What we ought to think about for ourselves is focusing on companies that are focused on the same things that we want to own. Finding frauds is really, really hard. Yeah, and and that makes a lot of sense. I, I know personally, I invest in a lot of companies that. Um, report under IFRS in which an auditor is not obligated to attest to the effectiveness of the internal controls. So we lack a lot of insight into those types of companies and also high growth companies. So for a certain period, even high growth companies that are listed on major U.S. exchanges reporting under U.S. GAAP um, are free from a lot of the uh, they're called emerging growth companies, but they're free from a lot of the requirements of attesting to effectiveness of internal controls. And and this has really allowed for a lot of companies to develop material weaknesses under the guise of, of well, it's called a guise, it's a strong word, but with the intent of, <laughs> of saving money on regulatory burdens. Yeah, if you want, I mean, if you are worried about Chinese fraud, you should spend a little time and Google the word Longfin Financial in the United States. Uh, it was trading on the U.S. It was trading on the Nasdaq, uh, and it was it was a full stop fraud that came public in the United States through that same uh, the Jobs Act through the uh, the emerging small growth companies uh, provisions, and yeah, it can ha- it can happen. It can happen anywhere. There is one other way, Emily, I wanted to tell you when you're looking for frauds is to recognize that every company in a sector is, in fact, 
beholden to the same economics as everyone else. So the thing, not to not to harp again on Luckin too much, but the thing that I really feel like I should have noticed was that their margins were so much higher and so different from other you know from other companies in their sector. Now that could be a sign that company X is a better operating company but it could also be a sign that there are that that there that that uh, things are not as they seem yeah um it's a great example and and i i am afraid that i have highlighted a lot of concerns we have and again just because the risk for fraud isn't there doesn't mean that i think investors shouldn't invest in any company that reports under IFRS, shouldn't invest in any company that is an international company, or shouldn't invest in any company that is under the Jobs Act reporting as a high-growth emerging company. But it is to say that I think when we look at these companies, um, they do require a special level of care and diligence, in addition to what you said about comparing them against their peers and looking for for red flags that way. I always one of the things that I always look for is the difference between accounting net income and operating cash flow. Now there are some very real reasons why a company may not be making as much operating cash flow as they will net income because there are accounting differences, but if for years companies are reporting quote profits but not generating any cash flows, that could not only be a sign of just a bad business model, right? If it is true a bad business model, but also the fact that you know the cash flow statement tends to be a little bit harder to manipulate cash isn't actually existing for these companies yeah totally right and 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 again finding fraud is really really hard mm-hmm. but one of the things that you want to do to to harden yourself as an investor is is i think of it as being a skeptical optimist i mean you you think about what the short sellers are doing they're like everything you know everything is wrong you know they are they are skeptical pessimists being being an investor and 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 owning the companies that are going to turn out to be the amazons of this world means that you're going to put yourself at risk of owning companies that are not what they say they are in small ways or in big ways but yes i mean looking at you know hardening yourself and, and and figuring out some of those places where you can look not so much to say like okay this company needs to be you know needs to be thrown off the exchanges and and arrested and everything else your your biggest goal as an investor is to not be exposed to many of those over the over over your experience you know over your investing career right mm-hmm. like you're going you're going to get hit at some point you 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 are and you might not even know it unfortunately uh sometimes you are you will know but it it, it is it is simply the case that what we want to do in, as investors is not necessarily find the frauds it's to stay away from the the situations where companies might be frauds or they might not be what they say they are um we talked a little bit about short reports earlier and i i I kind of want to touch on it again. I work obviously in the cannabis space. I've talked about this previously, but there's been short reports in the cannabis space that have been hilariously lacking substance. I mean, it's, it's, in fact, over the past few years, we've seen a number of, I'm going to say research firms in quotes, because that's how skeptical I are of their, of their businesses, but a lot of research firms coming out and um, making really bold, false claims against companies uh, saying they're short reports, right? putting in a short position on these companies, trying to push the share price down. But then we also have 
Muddy Waters, which did a lot of research into Luckin. And a lot of people made the same claim against Muddy Waters that I just made against a lot of these short companies. But that ended up being true. So yeah. when you look at a company in your portfolio that you really like, let's say it's a, you know, not necessarily an Amazon, that's a time-tested proven model. But let's go back to last month's example of Baca Frost. It's a company you like, you understand their business, you see really strong competitive advantages, but a short report comes out against them. How much <laughs> they're weight? actually selling trout, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the salmon don't exist. Yeah, I mean it's it, it it's exactly it's it's exactly right. And I will say, and this is a perhaps a controversial opinion. I admire as a whole the people who uh, who who put out these reports. I think, and one of the reasons why I think that it was actually a positive that you know that that the way that Luckin responded uh, is that they have been held accountable. If you think about what what short short sellers do is they are holding companies accountable. And I actually think it's a healthier system uh, in countries where that exists. In, in a lot of countries, short selling is illegal. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I put a much higher uh, incidence of fraud in companies in, in you know in in those markets. I take this stuff I take this stuff very seriously. But you have to keep in mind that in in so many situations, even if the even if the short report sounds unbelievably rock solid, convincing, they may not be pointing to meaningful stuff, right? Uh, and and you know, I I I I, I don't not react to short reports. I read them and I think about them. But at some point, you have to make that you know, you have to make that determination. Yes, I think this is real. And here's the thing, Emily: they're probably generally always or mostly right. But does it matter? Does it matter what's happening? You know, Shopify was you know there was a devastating sh- short that. report on Shopify. Totally wrong. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it, it, and not even that it was wrong. It just they were pointing towards stuff that was not, it was not use, it was not useful to worry about. And so you've got to take these sorts of things with a grain of salt. But I do not, uh, I do not recommend, and I don't practice in my own investing. Simply saying, oh, they're just trying to benefit from the, you know, from the the uh, stock being pushed down, even though some of them are. Mm-hmm. I, I do have. One last question for you, Bill, before we close up here. Um, let's say a company in your portfolio is committing financial fraud. Uh, it's been announced. It was clear. They acknowledged the mistake, and they vowed to improve it. What do you do? Do, do you immediately sell, or is it really a case-by-case basis? I think it's a case-by-case basis, and I have actually held companies through the frauds. What I really want to see... Um, is the people who were responsible for the fraud, and by responsible, I mean one of two things. Either they were the ones who did it, or they were the ones who missed it to be shown the door. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, like, so if the company says, ah, you know, we, you know, we may have committed just a little bit of fraud, but Steve says he'll never do it again. No. Like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> right? I... um so I want to see accountability on a very personal level because and and this is really important because it is really hard to prosecute individuals for things that they have done at work. You know, these types of frauds, it's very easy for the CFO to say, "Oh, well, you know, the guy one of the bean counters blew it." And with the bean counter to say, "Oh, the CFO told me to do it." And so you can't get a case on them. They need to be held responsible by being fired, let go, 
find whatever, you know, what, whatever it takes. Otherwise I'm, you know, I'm done. And if the fraud seems to be something that I no longer have any real idea what the company's financials look like or what the business looks like, I will, I'll sell. I, I love that perspective. And now I feel the need that I, I should go and sell off all of my Chinese holdings. <laughs> So, I'm joking. I'm joking, well, of course. You, no, but it's interesting. So, like, you know, right after Luck and Coffee, Tal had something that came up, and it was like 3% of its business, something that was yep. so small that it had never been even mentioned in one of their presentations. And they said, the person who has done this has been fired and is being prosecuted. Like, okay, Right. I, I take that you are taking this seriously at a level that you almost don't have to. And to me, that's meaningful. Well, Bill, thank you again for joining me today. I, I love you know doing these with you. It's always so easy. It requires very little prep on my part because you're so knowledgeable in this space. But more importantly, I think it gives our listeners a great perspective for, for how they should think about a lot of their more volatile investments during these times. Emily, I love spending this time with you. I miss you. I miss you at the <laughs> office, and it's you know it was, I, I'd love to do it whenever you'll have you'll have me come back. Well, hopefully, we'll all end up everybody listening and everybody you know at the Motley Fool will end up healthy and back in our offices at some point in the near future. Uh, but for now, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you guys have any questions or just want to say hey, you can always shoot us an email at industryfocus@fool.com or tweet us at MF Industry Focus. As always, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the screen today. For Bill Mann, I'm Emily Flippin. Thanks for listening at Fool On. Fool On.